Now, I want to ask a question, okay? And I want, you, I want an answer. Now, where I come from, people respond when I ask questions, okay? So don't be rude tonight. If I ask you a question, don't just sit there and look at me, all right? Do you want a message from me tonight, or do you want your life changed forever? I think I heard everybody say they wanted their life changed. See, you want to know why I'm asking this? It's because you gave up a Saturday night to come out here. And I don't want, and pastor doesn't want, you to come out here and just get a message. That's not what this is about. I want to see your life change forever. And, but the Bible says we don't have because we don't ask. So this is what we're going to ask God for tonight. Can you believe? Come on, put your hand up with me if you say, I can believe for a life-changing encounter tonight. Can we do that? So, Father, you see the hands of your people, they're up, they're expectant, and so I'm asking, Holy Spirit of God, that you would literally invade this sanctuary. For tonight I decree your kingdom has come within us, therefore your will shall be done in this place tonight on earth as it is in heaven. And so I'm asking that you would reveal Jesus to us greater than we've ever known him before. And as you do, may we go from glory to glory to glory, as by the Spirit of the living God For I decree, Lord God, that this is a night that our lives will be forever changed. I ask it in Jesus' name that you would do this and we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor, and the thanksgiving for this. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, majestic, holy, awesome, magnificent name. And everybody that agrees shouts, come on, give him praise in advance for what he's going to do tonight. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And I just want to say again, Pastor Jared and DeVette, I am so honored to be with you guys, and thank you so much for being my friend. And thank you more than that. Thank you for what you're doing for Southern California. Amen. Amen. Now, tonight, I'm going to share with you on something I actually wrote a book about a few years ago, but I really feel my heart that this is what I'm supposed to bring tonight. And I'm really believing that this is not only going to establish a foundation in your life, it's going to establish a foundation in your family. It's going to establish a culture in this church. Uh, I will say this, that even though I wrote this book seven years ago, it's a life message for me. You know, and I'm going to tell you what, why? Because my oldest son looked at me about 10 years ago, and he said, Dad, your life has changed. I mean, my 18, he was 18 at the time. And you know, when your oldest 18-year-old son says, Dad, your life's really changed. And it was because of what God did in my life through what I'm going to share with you tonight. How many of you know that's that's worthy of sharing with people, right? Are you with me? And so tonight I'm going to open up with a scripture that the Apostle John writes. Now, John, when he pens these words, he's in his 90s. Now, I want you to think about that, 90s. And when you're 90 years old, you can say a whole lot in a few words when you've been faithful to God all your life. Are you with me? And so this one scripture is what spawned this entire book. I want you to look at what he says. He says, look to yourselves. Everybody say, look to myself. Now that wasn't everybody. Everybody say, look to myself. So you know immediately this message is not for the person sitting next to you tonight. It is for you. All right. He says that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Now everybody shout reward. How many of you know God's a rewarder? Ooh, that's pretty weak. I mean, come on. He appears to Abraham. And you know what he says to Abraham? This is the way he introduces himself. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. What a way to introduce yourself to somebody when you're God. 
Now, what really got my attention when I looked at this verse is the fact that John just doesn't say reward. Do you notice he specifically says live in a way that you're going to receive a full reward? Now, for him to specifically say this means what? That means there is a partial reward scenario. And there is a no reward scenario. Now, isn't it interesting that John doesn't write and say, hey, live in such a way that you're going to get a partial reward. Why doesn't he do that? Because listen to my words. God wants you to receive the full reward. Now, I started thinking about this. Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to us? Because Proverbs chapter 11 says the righteous will be rewarded on the earth. So I went to the Gospels because to me, when you want a picture of the will of God on earth, go to the Gospels. And I started meditating on the Gospels in the light of this verse. In the light of God saying, live in a way that you're going to get a full reward. And you know what I realized? In the Gospels, there were some people in the ministry of Jesus that received a full reward from heaven. There were others that received a partial reward. And there were still others who got nothing. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized there was a thread running through all the different scenarios. And that thread's what I'm going to share with you tonight. Now, in order to introduce it, let me just go through a couple situations that happened with Jesus. Let me start out with Mark's gospel, the sixth chapter. Jesus actually comes to a city that is looking for the Messiah. They are anticipating his coming. They know it's the season of his coming. He comes to this city, and we read in the fifth verse of Mark chapter 6, it says... Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now you have to re remember in other cities he's opening up blind eyes, deaf ears, causing crippled people to walk, even raising the dead. But he comes to this city and a few headaches are getting healed. Maybe a bad back or a minor case of arthritis, but not near the miracles that were occurring in other cities. But what really got my attention in this verse were the words he could do no mighty work. Now, I remember when I saw this, I thought, wait a minute, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say Jesus wouldn't do any mighty work. I can handle that, because that deals with his will. It said he couldn't, which means he's restrained. Now, the Amplified makes it really clear. The Amplified says he was not able to do any mighty work. I think we got it. Punch the button for me there. Yeah, he was not able to do any mighty work. Now, I remember the morning I saw this, I, I pushed my Bible back and said, hold it. Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You have the Spirit of God without measure, yet you come into a city and you're restrained? How many of you know, we better understand what would restrain the Son of God. Because if we can understand what restrains Him, we're going to understand what restrains us. So I started praying that morning. I said, God, you got to show me what? Why would Jesus be restrained? And I found the answer in the previous two verses. Because look what the people of the city said. The people said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, now look at this carefully. A prophet is not without honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Say it again. Honor. With, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, what's happening here? Jesus comes to Nazareth, the city in which he's raised. It's Sabbath. And everybody in the city is in the synagogue. And so Jesus walks up on the platform, grabs the book of Isaiah, opens it up to a very familiar scripture. Everybody 
in that synagogue knew the scripture he was about to read because it spoke of the coming Messiah. So he begins to read this scripture. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, etc., etc., etc. So nothing's out of the ordinary until he closes the book and drops a bomb on them. By saying, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the Messiah. Now when he says that, there's wrestling in the crowd. And fathers are looking at their wives going, honey, isn't this the kid that was raised down the street from us? Somebody else goes, honey. Isn't this the kid that was on Timmy's football team? Somebody else goes, honey, isn't this the kid that made the table and chairs in our kitchen? Now what's happening here? These people had an image of how Messiah would come. And you know what's interesting? Their image was developed from Old Testament scripture. Because the same prophet, Isaiah, wrote in the same book, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall rest upon his shoulders, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So they got this image of a warring, militant, conquering Messiah coming, delivering them from Roman oppression and rule, reestablishing the throne of David, and ruling forever and ever and ever. But when Jesus comes, it's one of their hometown boys who made the furniture in their house. Now he's got a bunch of prostitutes and mafia following him. Because the tax collectors were the mafia of the day. They go, hold it. This is not the way we expect Messiah to come. Now that tells me something right there. Many times God will send you what you need in a package you don't want. Why does he do that? He's God. And so when Jesus doesn't come the way they expect him to come, they withhold honor from him. Everybody say honor. honor. Now I've done a lot of study on this word. I've talked to fluent Greek-speaking ministers. I've read every dictionary I can get my hand on. And this is what Greek dictionary, this is what the... The word for honor there in verse 4 is the word timi. That's the Greek word for honor, okay, in that verse. The literal definition of that word is a valuing. So when you speak of honor to a Greek person, they will think of something as weighty, precious, valuable, such as gold. Now, how many of you know you don't put gold in just any place? You put it in a place of value, right? You don't put it in your junk drawer. You put it in a place of honor, right? Are you with me? All right, other definitions, look at these definitions. Other definitions of this word are to appreciate, to esteem, to favorably regard, to respect. Now, sometimes we can understand better what a word is by looking at what it is not. The antonym of honor is dishonor. It is the Greek word atimi, which simply means this, to treat as common, to treat as ordinary. So the opposite of honoring someone is to treat them as common. Good preaching, amen, I'll help some of you. Um, to not show respect, to not value. Now, in the major Greek dictionaries that I examined, I, I discovered something really interesting. you got to get this. Honor can be displayed in action, in word, even in thought. But all true honor originates from the heart. This is why God says in Isaiah 29, verse 13, This people draws near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts they've removed far from me, and their reverence for me is taught by the precepts of men. What God is saying is they have the actions of honor, the words of honor, the songs of honor, but they don't have true honor because true honor originates from the heart. Are you with me? So Jesus comes to Nazareth because he doesn't come the way they expect him. They withhold honor. The result is a few bad addicts get healed. 
a few headaches, a minor case of arthritis, but not near the miracles that occurred in the other cities. They received a small partial reward from heaven because of one word. Everybody say that one word. Come on, say it with conviction. Because of honor. If you go to Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, you can go over there later. I'll just tell you what happens. Jesus is teaching, you know, it's, it's a conference. And all these pastors are there, all these ministers. And, and the building's packed. And you know what the Bible says? As he taught these leaders, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. Everybody say them. Yeah. Who's them? The preachers and the teachers. Now, how many of you know God never wastes anything? If the power of the Lord was there to heal them, that means at least one of them needed to be healed. But you know what my experience is? If you put 500 people in a building, you're going to have at least a half a dozen or a dozen need healing. Okay? The power of the Lord was there to heal them, yet none of them got healed. It wasn't until some men tried to get in the meeting, but because the building was so packed, they went up to the roof, tore up in the roof, let down a paralytic on ropes. And the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith, he looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven you. Now, when Jesus said that, the teachers and the preachers in the building just thought this. Now, I want to paint a picture. They're not looking at each other going, Charlie, can you believe what the guy just said? No, Fred, this is ridiculous. That's not going on. They just think this. Who is this that forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. And the Bible said when Jesus knew their thoughts, he looked at him and said, hey, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. So that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the guy and says, get up and walk. Guy gets up and walks out. You know what the Bible says? The teachers and preachers were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed, but none of them got healed. Even though the power of the Lord was originally there to heal them. So they received no reward from heaven because of one word. Because of honor. If you go to Matthew's Gospel, the 8th chapter, you've got Jesus traveling between cities. There's a crowd around him. And this officer of the Roman army comes up to him. He's a centurion. And he looks at Jesus. Jesus, my servant's dreadfully tormented. Would you please heal him? Jesus looks at the officer and said, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. The officer immediately goes, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Wait a minute. I'm not worthy. This is the conqueror speaking to the conquered. Rome conquered Israel. This is an officer of the Roman army speaking to a Jewish carpenter. Do you see the honor he's giving Jesus? I mean, this is like a four-star United States Marine general looking at a waiter in Iraq saying, Sir, I'm not worthy to come to your home. And then the officer gives the reason. He says, because I also am a man under authority. And because I'm under authority, I've got authority. So all I have to do is say to my soldiers one word, and they instantly obey me. And he said, Jesus... I recognize you're under your father's authority, so I know all you have to do is say one word, and that demon's got to leave my servant like my soldiers instantly obey me when I say a word. Now, when Jesus hears this, he marvels. Now, when Jesus marvels, that gets my attention. And Jesus says to the group, I'm going to tell you, I have not found this much faith in all of Israel. Do you know what he just said? He just said, I found more faith in this Roman officer than John the Baptist. Jesus found John in Israel. Or Mary, or the twelve. Now, I'm a man of faith. I know the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, I'd be willing to bet, and I would win this bet. That this officer heard far less scriptures than John the Baptist. Yet he had more faith than John the Baptist. Why? Because of his understanding of honor and authority. He received 
a full reward because his servant was healed instantly. Now you can take this all through the Gospels. Those who honored Jesus greatly got a full reward from heaven. Those who withheld honor got a small part of the reward. Those who dishonored him got nothing. And you take this all the way to one week before Jesus was crucified, Palm Sunday. And Jesus makes the most remarkable statement in Luke's Gospel, 13th chapter, 35th verse. Look what he says. He says, I tell you, you will not see me, this is Jesus speaking, again, until you say, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying there is, I'm going away, guys. I'm going to be crucified next week. And I'll ascend to heaven a few weeks after that. And you're not going to see me, Jesus, again until you say to the one I send you in my name, blessed is he or she who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, I'm going away, and you're not going to see me again until you honor the one I send you in my name. Why is that? Because Jesus says this over and over again in the Gospels. Here's one such example. John 13, verse 20. Jesus says, he who receives, I'm going to replace the word receives with honors because they're one and the same. He who honors whomever I send honors me, Jesus. And he who honors me, Jesus, honors the Father who sent me. And God gives us a spiritual law in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 31. God says, those who honor me, I will honor them. Those who lightly esteem me, I'll lightly esteem them. How would you ever lightly esteem God? By lightly esteeming the one Jesus sends us, we lightly esteem Jesus. By lightly esteeming Jesus, we lightly esteem the Father. And then the Father says, I lightly esteem you. Not a good idea when you need a prayer answered. Some of you will get that at 2 o'clock this morning. Okay. Look, this is all over the Gospels. This is just one. This is the end of Jesus' ministry right here. Let me show you the beginning of his ministry. Jesus says in Matthew 10, he who honors you honors me, Jesus. And he who, whoa, I just lost the scripture. Okay, and he who honors me honors him, the Father who sent me. Now look at verse 41. He who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's what? What? Come on, shout it. What? What's the first scripture we read tonight? See that you receive a full reward. Keep reading. And he who honors a righteous man. In the name of a righteous man, it's going to receive a righteous man's what? What is that? And keep reading, verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Assuredly, I say to you, he should by no means lose his what? What is that word? So what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about the three levels of human beings you ever come in contact with. Every person you ever meet in life is going to fall under one of these three categories. What are the three categories? Those who are above us in authority, our leaders. Those who are on our level of authority, our peers. And those who are entrusted to our care, whom Jesus refers to as little ones. Honoring each of these levels of authority brings a certain reward from heaven. Why? Because Jesus said, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You've done it to me. And what you've done to me, you've done to the Father. And the Father shall likewise do to you. Sure is quiet in this Methodist church. <laughs> Come on. Saturday night. Loosen up. Now, I want to talk about each of these three levels here in just the next couple minutes. I'm not going to keep you long. First of all, profit. All right, now. Jesus is specifically talking about church authority when he says prophet. But this can easily span out to the other three areas of authority that God has delegated over each of our life. Because now I'm going to ask a question. Question. 
How many of you know that God has delegated four areas of authority over each of our lives? Whoa. Okay, ten of you. Let's take a step back. How many of you know the Bible says all authorities of God? Please tell me you know that. Okay, now some of you didn't raise your hand. You want to know why? Because you've had mean, cruel, dishonest authority. And so you don't like that scripture. Let's just be honest. Now, can I make this to help, help bring clarification? The Bible says all authority is of God. The Bible does not say all authority is godly. The authorities of God, the behavior is not. I mean, this Bible is loaded with ungodly authorities. Their authority, if you look at it, is from God. Their behavior wasn't. Do you know what I've discovered? I've preached the gospel all over the world on every continent. I have not preached to the penguins in Antarctica yet. So, do you know what I've discovered? Americans, seriously, now I'm being serious, are the hardest people on the whole planet to communicate the things of God to. Now, stay with me. I, I'm going to say it again. Americans are the hardest people on the planet to communicate the things of God to. And you know the reason is quite simple. The reason is this. We are a people trying to understand kingdom principles with a democratic mindset. Okay, democracy is great for America because we have fallible leaders, right? But if you try to relate with God with your democratic mindset, you won't even connect because he's a king. He's actually a real king. He's not a figurehead king like the lady in England. He's actually a real king. So his kingdom, yeah, yeah. So his kingdom has rank, order, and authority. That's why the Bible says you resist the authority, you resist God, the ordinance of God. <laughs> Put a smile on your face. And say I'm happy. I just want to make sure. Okay. All right. So what are the four areas of authority that God's delegated over each of our lives? Number one would be civil authority. That's your president, vice president, right down to the policeman on the street. What's the second would be family authority. How many of you know the husband's the head of the home, wife is submit to the husband, children are obey their parents? It's biblical. Okay. Third one would be social authority. What's that? That's your bosses, teachers, coaches, etc. The Bible does talk about that. And the fourth one, which Jesus specifically referred to when he said prophet, is church authority. Now, let's look at civil. What does the Bible say about civil authorities? Romans 13 says this. It says, now look at this. For rulers, civil authorities are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil, because they are God's servants. Everybody shout, God's servants. God's Working for your good. I was in the gym where we live in Colorado Springs a few years ago. I'm working out, and I start talking to a man and a woman working out next to me. Well, it turns out, and I start telling tell them about Jesus. We just got in a conversation. And it turns out he's a policeman, and she's a policewoman in Colorado Springs. And when I said that, we'd already been like 10 minutes in the conversation. I said, whoa. I said, the respect in my heart for you two is enormous already because the Bible says you're God's servants. Now, the policeman looks at me and goes, dude. Are you serious? The Bible says I'm one of God's servants. I said, yeah, it says that, Romans 13. He says, I'm tattooing that scripture right on my back. So two weeks later, I'm in the gym. He pulls up his T-shirt. There's a Romans 13 tattooed right on his back. I thought, okay, he's got that. I hope he's safe. All right? So 
Verse 6, that is also why you pay taxes. Ooh, one amen on that one. <laughs> because the authorities are working for God when they fulfill their duties. What does that mean next time you're 15 miles over the speed limit? Do you see red and blue lights flashing in your rearview mirror? Don't bind the devil. He's not working for the devil. He's working for God. Okay? That's, listen, listen, wisdom here. That's when you pray for mercy. Okay? Are you with me? Now look at the next verse. Okay? Pay them what you owe them. Pay them your personal and property taxes and show respect and what? Honor. What? Honor. Okay, keep reading. For all the nice ones. Come on, is that what it says? No, it says all of them. Wait a minute! John, are you telling me I'm supposed to show respect and honor to a mean, cruel, dishonest authority? Well, you know what I say about that? Let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. 1 Peter 2.17 says this. It says, fear God, honor the king. Now, you know what Peter's saying there? How can you say you fear or respect God who you don't see when you can't respect the person he's placed his authority on that you do see? Went quiet again here. Now, do you know who the historic king is that Peter is referring to in this verse of Scripture? He's actually writing about a specific king here. Do you know who he is? Herod Agrippa I. Who is King Herod Agrippa I? He was the king of Judea who was murdering Christians in cold blood for one reason. To gain political favor with the larger segment of people, the Jewish people. The more he killed them, the more favor he got with the Jewish people. Now, how in the world? Are you supposed to honor a leader who's murdering Christians in cold blood just to further his political career? It's not easy, but this is what you got to do. You got to see beyond the man's behavior and honor his position. In America, you know what we say? Well, this is what we say to a leader. You got to first earn my respect. The fear of God doesn't say that because the fear of God doesn't judge by the seeing of the eye, the hearing of the ear, it judges according to righteous judgment. Fear of God doesn't say you have to first earn my respect. Fear of God says I see the authority that is on you, therefore you already have my respect because I honor your position, not your behavior. First year, first year we were traveling. Uh, this is back in 1990. I went to this church in the Midwest part of the United States. They had about 110 people, okay? Second year I go there, 110 people. I said to the pastor, I said, how long have you been at 110? He said, about 10 years. So I went one more year and I stopped going because other churches were asking me to come. We were just birthing the ministry. And I remember like just a couple years after that, the same church asked me to come to their conference. And they said, we're going to have over a thousand people. I said to my assistant, I said, that is not the same church. She said, it is the same church. I said, come on. They were like at 110 people for 10 years. She said, it's the same church. I said, book me, I'm going. So I couldn't believe it. When I, I got there, there weren't any in the same building. There were policemen directing traffic. There was golf carts bringing people from satellite parking lot. There is a line of cars that policemen are directing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I walk in the buildings, over 1,000 people. I mean, they're lined up against the wall. I said to the pastor, I said, what happened? I said, come on, man. You were like at 100 people for 10 years. And now look at this. In just a couple years, you're over 1,000 people. He said, I'll tell you what happened. I said, tell me. He said, I got so fed up of hearing our people, the people in my church, complain about our city officials. And I was so fed up with them trying to cut corners paying taxes that I went to the mayor of the city and said, what's the greatest need in the city that 
you have that you can't afford in this year's budget. It was a fireman's mask. cost $25,000. So he said, I got up in front of my church on Sunday morning. I put up Romans 13. I looked at my church and said, how dare you speak against God's servants the way you criticize our city officials? How dare you withhold from God's servants what rightfully belongs to them in paying taxes? He said, so you know what we're going to do as a church? We're going to repent. And we're going to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. The city, God's servants, they need a $25,000 fireman's mask. And you know what? I want to receive an offering for that this morning. Do you know that 110 people gave $25,000 that Sunday morning? So now, whoa, whoa, story's not over. So he makes an appointment with the mayor 2 o'clock Wednesday afternoon. And the mayor knows what he's doing, so he gathers the city officials. The pastor goes down there with a couple of his elders. He opens up the Bible and says, reads Romans 13, says, you are God's servants. We want to honor you as God's servants. Here's a check for $25,000, buy your fireman's mask. He says, John, we did the building dedication. Nine months later, every worker in our city, this is a small city, came to the building dedication. He said, a bunch of them got saved. It was the ticket that broke open the whole city. He said, we honored the authority of God on our city, and the reward to our church was that God opened the city to our church. That's honor's reward. You getting that? Now let's look at family authority. Let's look at family authority. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's do this quickly, okay? Ephesians chapter 6 says, honor your father and mother, which is the first suggestion with a promise. Glad a couple of you are reading that. I think I just uh, transposed a word or something. I don't know. But the word is not suggestion. The word is commandment. Right? Now, do you notice the command has a promise attached to it? In other words, the reward is right here. What's the, what's the reward? What's the promise? It's actually two. In verse 3, look at it. Number one, that it may be well with you. Number two, that you live long on the earth. You understand you have a covenant promise from heaven that you can slam your foot down and say, Cancer, get out of this household. I've honored my mom and dad. I will live long on this earth, and I will be successful. I don't know about you, but I just preach myself happy. Now, the problem is, the problem is, we live in a society that trains us to dishonor our parents. And you see those four boys I just showed you? Four of the most godly young men I know, period, bar none. When they were toddlers, there were certain G-rated movies I forbid them to watch. I'm not talking PG. I'm talking G. Let me help you. Put out by the company down the road and in Orlando. Why did I forbid my kids to watch those movies? Because those movies, the kid actors in those movies... In the movie, they spoke so dishonorably to their parents. And then they got the reward they were after, like, at the end of the movie, like the car or the dog. I said, no, 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 no. I forbid these movies in my house. I will not permit them. I would rather you watch movies with righteous killing in it, because that's all over the Bible. But you're not watching these movies. <laughs> now, there were people that thought that we were too extreme, Lisa and I. I don't think so, because look what Deuteronomy 27 says. Deuteronomy 27 says, cursed. Now, if your neighbor says you're cursed, big deal. God says you're cursed, that's a bad day. <laughs> cursed is he who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, so be it. 
Do you know what? I'm not going to take time to do this. I'll do it in a book. You can get the book and read it. Do you know that God puts the Ten Commandments in the list of the order of importance? Does anybody in here know that? I know Pastor Jared does, but does anybody else know that in here? In other words, one is the most important, ten is the least important. Okay? How do I know that? Because Jesus said the first command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the commandments. You look at the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with our relationship with the Lord our God. The last six deal with our relationship with our neighbor. So if you look at murder, it's pretty serious. It's number six on the list. If you look at adultery, yikes, that's really bad. That's number seven on the list. You look at stealing, whew, that's number eight on the list. You know what God puts above all three of those? Dishonoring your mom and dad. It's number five. Could it be that God sees dishonoring your mother and father... It's a more serious offense than murder, stealing, and adultery. Now, I'm not justifying murder, stealing, and adultery. The Bible says those that practice such will not inherit the kingdom, and you'll do jail time on a couple of them as well. <laughs> However, what I am saying is why do we ask society to tell us what God, what's more important to God? I have proof. I have proof. Absolute proof. First Chronicles 5.1 says that Reuben, Reuben is the firstborn of Jacob. Reuben dishonored his dad and therefore lost his birthright. Now the second and the third born son were Simeon and Levi. They murdered a whole village of men in cold blood. Nothing happened to their birth order. Why? Does Reuben lose his birth order and nothing happens with Simeon and Levi? Because God sees dishonoring your mom and dad as a more serious offense than murder. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> okay, put yourself in the devil's shoes just for 60 seconds. You got a bunch of people you don't want them blessed. You don't want them successful. What do you do? Put out some movies, put a G stamp on it, and train people how to dishonor their parents so that you can legally get into their life and keep them from being successful. He's not as stupid as we thought him to be. Let's go to the next one. Maybe you get happy on the next one. All right. <laughs> Social authorities, bosses, teachers, coaches, let as many as their servants, that would be students, employees, athletes, under the yoke, count their own masters, teachers, bosses, coaches, etc. Worthy of some honor? What? All honor? I was playing a $200 million golf course two years ago. Okay, this golf course is right on the coast of Florida. $200 million. Clubhouse, second largest clubhouse I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, there are no members in this golf course because it is this man's personal golf course. Only his friends get to play there. It was quite remarkable. Mayor Bloomfield of New York was on the putting green. Bob Greasy was in the group behind me. Next to me at lunch was Jim Leland, at that time the coach of the Detroit Tigers. And next to him was Tom Brokaw. Okay? Now, I'm playing this course with the guy that manages the grounds. He's got 35 employees to manage the grounds. We're not talking about the clubhouse staff. And he's the manager. And we're playing this round, and all of a sudden I stopped, and I looked up, and I said, hey, Alan. He, goes, he said, what? I said, you need to take care of this course as if Jesus owns it, not Mr. H. And he goes, where do you get that? I said, the Bible says you serve your employers not as men pleasers, but as end to the Lord. And he looked at me, and he said, it does say that, doesn't it? I said, yeah, it does. 
He said, that totally changes my attitude and how I'm taking care of this course. I said, good, you got it. We, let's keep playing. And I beat him that day. It was a good day. <laughs> amen. Come on. Everybody say amen to that one. Amen. You can get excited about that. Okay, well, let's move to the next one. Now we're going to talk about church authority. This is the one Jesus talked about when he said prophet. He said, brothers and sisters, everybody say honor. honor. Those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Now, when I look at this scripture, I think of two men that I know. One man's gone to heaven to get his reward. He went last year. But these two men, uh, the first man I think of is the one who went to heaven last year, and that's T.L. Osborne. Why do I think about him? Well, <laughs> Lisa and I almost went to work for T.L. and Daisy Osborne back in 1987 as their assistants. And at that time, they had already won 62 million people to Jesus Christ. No TV program. We're talking crusades in Africa that had anywhere from three to 500,000 people in each service. I think about Reinhard Bunke. Okay? Reinhard's a friend of mine. We were having lunch one day. Reinhard has seen 22 million people come to the Lord in just Nigeria alone. Now, I look at both these men, and I've asked them personally, do you see a lot of deaf ears open up in one service? T.L. said, there's not one service I do the deaf ears don't get open. He said, hundreds of deaf ears, totally deaf ears open up. He said, scores of blind eyes get healed and open. He said, I've seen crippled people who have never walked all their life start walking in our meeting. Reinhard Bunke said the same thing. Now, I look at these same men. They come back to America. Same man, same message, same anointing on their life. In their American meetings, a few headaches get healed. A bad back, a minor case of arthritis. Why? It's not insurance. It's called honor. See, I've gone to these nations in the Middle East and Africa. Sometimes it almost scares me the way they treat me. I mean, I, I, I spoke to 10,000 people in Mombasa, Kenya. I walk out, and they, they, they walk me into a room. They put me in a chair. It looks like a throne. I'm like, whoa, what's this? And then three women come up bowing. One's got a basin, one's got a pitcher, one's got a towel wrapped around her arm. I looked at the guy and I said, what are they here to do? And he said, they're here to wash your hands before you eat. And I'm thinking, I can wash my own hands. And the Holy Spirit inside of me said, don't you dare not let them do this. I mean, literally, I heard that. Okay, I, I had just spoken to 3,000 senior pastors from 18 nations in Africa, another meeting. And I walk out of the meeting, and somebody serves my dinner. They're walking away, and the guy looks at me and goes, you see who just served your dinner? I said, yeah. He said, head of the CIA of this entire nation. I said, what? And they just served my dinner? And then he looked at me and said, aren't you the man of God? I go to the Middle East. I spoke to 2,500 pastors and leaders in the Middle East four years ago. When I land, Beirut, Lebanon, near Vanamirnia, I land... Everybody's getting off the plane, and they're going to customs and immigration. I get off the plane, and there's a whole entourage waiting for me at the end of the jet bridge, right? Mr. Bevere, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so happy you're here. And then they whisk me into a room, and they give me nice food and nice drinks. And they said, would you like to go to your hotel room? And I said, i got to go through customs. He said, oh, no, 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 all taken care of, all taken care of. And they parade me to the hotel, the nicest hotel in the whole nation. I'm like, oh, my gosh. When I you cannot believe what God did in those meetings. I mean, 
I mean, it, was, it was crazy amazing. Now, let's think this through. When I spoke to those 2,500 pastors and leaders, I guarantee, I'm, I'm telling you, they're on the edge of their seats and they're writing every word I'm saying because they really believed I was a man sent from heaven to bring them the word of God. When I come to America, they sit there kind of like, we've heard all kinds of good preachers. What do you have to say? So they get their eyes open. We get our headaches healed. You figure it out. See, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the word of God and doctrine. Now, everybody say double honor. This is the only place in all the scriptures you're going to find double honor. God didn't say give it to your civil authorities or your coaches or even your parents. And can I tell you it has nothing to do with us? Nothing to do with me. You know when I learned that? I learned that so many times. I'd go to a city, like I went to Hillsong, London for the first time. Give me a huge offering. They treated me like, oh my gosh, you know, they put me in a beautiful hotel, just like him. And I left, and they talked about those meetings for months. They said, we turned the corner. They called my office. Then I go to the church, and next week in America, preach the same message, and you never hear a word back from them. Same guy. One week later. Let me really prove it has nothing to do with me. Okay? Do you remember this guy, Eli, in the Bible? He was a pastor. Do you remember this lady named Hannah? For years, she's been praying to have a baby. For years! She prays and gets no baby. But now, she's at the tabernacle, at the church. Let's just modernize it. And she's praying for that baby so profusely that her lips are moving but no words are coming out. And this priest, the head pastor, named Eli, looks at her and goes, woman, you're drunk. Now, I'm so glad she wasn't American because he would have gotten an earful. Drunk! You call me drunk? I'm pouring my heart out to God. I'm fasting. And you call me drunk? What kind of pastor are you? I'm going to church down the street. My husband's hearing about this. Okay. Now, she does, you know what she does? She looks back at him and says, no, my Lord. Little L. She honors him. She says, no, my Lord. You're, you're maidservant. She calls herself his maidservant. She's crying out to God. And here's this pastor who's fat and God says, will never be forgiven. Now, can I tell you something? You never want to hear God say, you and your family will never be forgiven by me. But that's what God said about this guy and his family. And he looks at her and says, may the God of Israel grant your petition. Within nine months, she has what she prayed for for years in her arms. What she couldn't get praying for on her own for years she gets when she honors the man who insults her, who God said there would never be any forgiveness for him. Now you tell me, does it have to do with me or does it have to do with you? Does it have to do with him or does it have to do with you? What I'm trying to do is get you in the place where you are positioned to receive what heaven wants for you. See, I had this kid. When I was a youth pastor, this kid walked up and he was real popular. He was a quarterback on a football team. And he said, you know, Pastor John, he said, you know, my... My former youth pastor, he was my buddy. Will you be my buddy? 
And I felt this eh on the inside. I thought something's wrong. So I looked inside. I said, Lord, what's wrong? And I heard it. And I looked at him and I said, hey, Joel. His name was Joel. Jesus said, you receive prophet, the name prophet, you're going to get a prophet's reward. Well, you receive a youth pastor and youth pastor, you get a youth pastor's reward. You receive a buddy in the name of a buddy, you're going to get a buddy's reward. I said, you got a lot of youth, uh, buddies, don't you? Because he was popular. He said, oh, yeah, I got a lot of buddies. I said, you got one youth pastor. So what do you want from me? Do you want a youth pastor's reward or a buddy's reward? Because the way you receive me is what you're going to get. He goes, I want the youth pastor's reward. I said, good choice, and I walked away. You still with me tonight? I said, you still with me tonight? Now keep reading here. He says, for the scripture says you will not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And the labor is worthy of his wages. Sounds like he's talking about money. I said, boy. Woo. Let's try that one more time. Sounds like he's talking about money. Okay, let me show you this exact scripture. Three other translations. You ready for this? Here's number one. New living translations. Elders who do their work well should be paid well. Here's the CEV version. Church leaders who do their job well deserve to be paid twice as much. Here is the today's English version. The elders who do good work as a leader should be considered worthy of receiving double pay. Okay, whoa. Let me just help you, all right? I'm going to help you. I'm not, saying this for, I'm not saying this for pastor's sake. I'm saying this for your sake, and you'll understand when I say this. So I've been traveling for 30 years. I have never, listen to my words, seen an exception to what I'm about to say. I go to churches that disobey what God says. They pay their pastors very, very poorly. Pastor drives a minivan, lives in a duplex. The businessmen, the businesswomen, the families of those church are constantly struggling. Then I go to churches that do what the Bible says. They pay their pastors really well. The businessmen, the businesswomen, the families are flourishing financially. Now, the thought process is this. These churches, you know what they think? If we cut the pastor's salary, we'll be able to do more for outreach and missions. They're giving, listen, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to missions. These churches, who pay the pastors really well, are giving millions of dollars a year to missions. So who's affecting more people? These churches. Why? Because they're obeying God, and these churches think they know more than God. Okay, maybe you need my background. I was raised Catholic. I looked at all of you and thought, you're all going to hell. Why do you waste your time going to church on Sunday? Because only the Catholics are the true church, and we're the only ones going to heaven. But then I found out there were 656 contradictions in the Bible, that I could get to Jesus through Mary, that I could go through dead sayings, that I could pray my sister out of purgatory by putting money in the thing. And I started reading the Bible and realized, oh my gosh, I got saved. I thought, how wrong am I? So you know what I made up my mind? I said, whatever I read in the Bible, I'm going to believe it, whether I understand it or not. And how many of you know... That's the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. You just, people ask me all the time, they say, where do you get the wisdom you get in these books? I just believe what I read. So, can I tell you what most people do? When they read the Bible, can I tell you what they do? They read what they believe. 
They don't believe what they read. You'll get that in a minute. They read into the scripture through the filter of their lens of what they believe instead of simply believe. Do you know, I've been reading this Bible for over 30 years. I sat down in my hotel room this morning and said, Holy Spirit, please open my eyes. Do you know I had the most delicious, delicious, delicious breakfast in John 15 this morning? Oh my gosh, it was like I never read it before. It was so amazing what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me. Okay, because I made up my mind, I'm going to believe whatever I read. So when I read this, I just go, okay. See, that's what Jesus means when he says, receive the kingdom like a little child. Doesn't mean you're stupid, ignorant, act like a little child, immature. He's saying children believe. But people who are bitter, cynical, and jaded go, well, I don't know. I've seen what pastors have done with money. And, and then you're just like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so let's just throw out that part of the Bible and that part of the Bible and that part of the Bible. And then what do we have? We just got another man-made religion. So let's not waste our time and go to church and have conferences and all that. Let's just make up whatever we want to make up. Okay, that's just me. And you know, it's worked pretty good. Because I found out God really backs what he says. Still with me? Okay, let's go to the next one. Maybe we'll get happy on the next one. All right. Y'all are supposed to be like shouting and yeah. Now, 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 can I tell you, I understand what's going on. I, I get it. I'm like a fire hose. I get it. And you're trying to drink water out of a fire hose right now. I go totally get it. That's just the gift God's placed in my life. And you're just sitting there going like this. I know. But I got to get you to breathe a little. That's why I'm trying to get you to laugh a little, okay? All right. Now we're going to go to our peers. And he who honors a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's what? What is that? Okay. Now, he is talking about our peers. Can I give you one story that will perfectly exemplify this and we'll move to the next one, okay? This, you'll get it when you hear this story. I'm preaching in South Florida. It's a conference. End of the conference, this guy walks up to me, okay? He's dressed kind of nice, looks sharp. He says, Mr. Bevere, can I talk to you for about five minutes? I said, sure. He said, Mr. Bevere, I own a business here in Southern Florida and our, my, my business is really unique. I've got a bunch of employees and what we do is we make Fountains, custom fountains for landscapes. He said, the largest company in landscape company in South Florida owed my company $117,000 for some work that we had done for them. Now, that's a lot of money for his company, $117,000. He said, they weren't paying it. And he said, I knew they had the money to pay it. So he said, I was really frustrated. So I started, you know, kind of, bad-mouthing this company to my employees. Started making snide remarks about them to my family, my employees. So then I go into this conference, and you're preaching an honor. And he said, man, did God get a hold of me that night in that conference. He said, I repented in that conference. I went to my employees the next day and said, I've been so wrong. I've spoken cynically about that company. I've I bad-mouthed them. I am so wrong. I want you to know it. He said, then you know what I did? I drove 30 minutes and met with the owner of that big company. I looked at this owner. He said, I had no idea if he was a Christian or not. I didn't care. I said, I looked at the owner. I said, listen, I've, I've talked bad about you to my employees and my family. I've, I've repented my family, my employees. I'm just coming to repent to you now. 
I'm so sorry for, for, for speaking bad about you. Please forgive me. So they talk a little while, and he, he looks at this owner, and he says, hey, listen, you owe me $117,000. This is what I want you to do. You just pay it whenever you want. There's no more time limit on it. And you know what? You just pay me what you really think you owe my company for the work we've done for you. So he said, I felt real good and left. He said, a week later, I got a check for $11,000. Do you hear what I just said? <laughs> they owed him $117,000. They sent him a check for $11,000. So see, it doesn't work. he looks at me and he goes, two and a half weeks after that, my company got the largest job we've ever gotten before. It was a two and a half million dollar job. Whoa, not done yet. He said, four weeks later, we got a seven million dollar job. Now, do you know what I've learned? The greatest reward comes when I honor those who dishonor me. Jesus said, you love those, you honor those who honor you. What reward do you have? Gang members do the same thing. Peers. Let's go to the next one and we'll, we'll close. These are, these are the people that are entrusted to our care. These, the, 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 Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water honors them in the name of a disciple. Surely I say to you, he should by no means lose his what? What? Okay, these would be our employees, our team members, our wife, our children. Do you know, I could stand up tonight, and to be honest with you, this is the biggest section in the book. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I spent more time on the previous ones. I, I should have probably left more time for this. I could stand here and talk to you for hours about the rewards I've received in honoring my wife, honoring my son, honoring my team members, my employees. Oh my gosh, I could tell you, you know, especially my wife. You know, the Bible says, husbands, honor your wife as the weaker vessel. Now, that does not mean she is beneath you. It only means, and I mean it only means, she can't bench press as much as you. That's all it means when it says weaker vessel, okay? Because she, he says, she's an heir together of the grace of life. In fact, do you know what that same verse says? If you don't honor your wife, heaven will not listen to your prayers. Now, that is a miserable place to be that heaven is not listening to your prayers. John, can I pray for you, buddy? No, thanks. I see the way you talk to your wife. <laughs> I don't want you praying for me. Heaven's not listening to you right now. Why do I want you praying for me? <laughs> it's the truth. All the guys got real quiet on that one. <laughs> now, you know, I could talk to you about Lisa. I could talk to you about my sons. Talk to you about my team members. Oh, man, one time, one time, I had an employee working for us. We, at that time, we had about 50, 60 employees. And <clears throat> I remember uh, I found out she was going to quit and move back to Indiana. And my minister, I, I got word, and I called my minister. I said, why is she quitting? I mean, I, she likes it here. We have very low turnover in our ministry. And I said, well, he said, well, she's having trouble making ends meet. And I said, well, what do we pay her? And he told me her salary. And I said, what? That's all we pay her? So I said on the phone, I said, I want every employee going up to this level. 
I don't care what they do. And the phone went dead quiet. And my COO finally spoke up. He said, if you do that, you'll be the most sought out ministry to work for in the Colorado Springs. I said, I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it because I want to honor my, my team members. She got like, I think a $7,000 raise just like that. So, and that was, that was good for Colorado. I don't know about Colorado. But anyway, do you know that woman ended up becoming a manager for us? And a good one. I, I could just, there's so many stories, but let me, let me, let me say this. It goes down to the, it goes down to the waiter in the restaurant. Do you know I've had to sneak back into restaurants when I saw what the pastor tipped the waiter? And, 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 and you know what really frustrates me even more? Well, I'll have this and this and this and this. Thanks. Wasn't it a great service today? I'm like, did you even talk to him? Do you even know the guy's name that's waiting on our table? Like, 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 they'll come up to my table, and I love doing this. I say, hey, 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 whoa, 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 what's your name? Okay, are you married, single? What's the deal? Let's talk, okay? And they're like, huh, huh. And then I leave them a tip. You know, like this one, I was in this really nice Italian restaurant. I left a 30% tip. That was a lot of money. Why? Because I wanted them to know I valued them. My wife and I left a, a server one time 50% tip. Because she knew we were both men and women of God. I said, I want to I I value her. This is a way I can value her. You know, it goes down to the people in the grocery store. You know, my favorite grocery store in the whole world is Whole Foods. One, one, of, my, one of my best, best friends, he's like my little brother, is a guy named Aaron Badley. He's a PGA golfer. And when he's got a tournament in my area, he'll stay at my house. So he's staying at my house. And we went to Whole Foods together. And Aaron looks at me after like 20 minutes and goes, does, does everybody in this store know you? And I said, probably. Now, they don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know I'm an author. I don't want them to know it. They know me because I talk to them. Like Richard in the meat department, I found out he likes this specialized cheese that's $30 a pound, but he can't afford it. So I buy half a pound and say, hey, Richard, take it home and have it with your wife. He goes, dude, are you serious? I said, yeah. You know, I'm checking out one day, and the girl's bagging my, and she goes, oh, that is the best. I said, have you had lunch yet? She goes, no. I said, hold on. I ran and got another one. I bought it. I said, have some lunch. She goes, are you kidding me? I bought the manager of the whole store one time some Mountain Harvest bread. I said, oh, man, you haven't tried that. You got, I'm, I'm going to go buy it. You're going to take it home and have it with your wife tomorrow. So, so there's this girl in the checkout line. That I always went to, okay, because she has no visible Caucasian skin. Her entire body that you can see is covered with colored tattoos. She had about 15 piercings, and she had like five different shades of hair. She had lime green next to fluorescent yellow, next to bright red, next to purple, next to some other kind of color, right? Like, I don't know. And so I'd go to her line all the time on purpose. And I, one day I looked at her, and, and, and every time her hair was different. She'd have, you know, five streaks one time, four streaks another. And so this one time I said, your hair, so beautiful. I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, how do you keep the bright red from bleeding into the fluorescent yellow? 
and she goes, let me tell you. And she starts telling me the whole process, right? <laughs> so one time, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. I'm late. I'm in a hurry. So her line's long. I think I got to skip that line today. So I go over to another register. You know, there's like 10 registers. So I go to another register. And she sees I didn't go to her register. She closed down her register. And she comes walking down to me, and she's crying. And she said, my grandfather died last week. And I've got to move from Colorado Springs up to, Colorado, to Denver to live with my grandmother. So I've got to leave this job. And she's crying. She said, do you know what I'm going to miss most about Colorado Springs? I said, what? She said, you. Your wife and your boys. And she goes, I just love you guys so much. And she's weeping. Well, do you know, I was like, she doesn't even know I'm a minister. I was able to give her the bait of Satan and other materials and minister to her. See, why do we honor people? To get a reward? No. A million times no. That's just the benefit. We honor them because we realize God paid the most expensive price that could be paid in the entire universe for that one individual. That's how valuable that one individual is to him. Now, your greatest temptation, you know what it's going to be? After hearing this message, to go out and treat everybody nice. And that's going to last about a week. What you got to do is you got to cry out for God to put honor in your heart. Did you get something out of this today? Did you get something out of this? Amen. You prayed. You prayed that your life would never be the same. <laughs>